You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have Dan Haberkost on the call here this evening. Dan, really appreciate your time. If you want more information and reach out to Dan directly, I'm going to point you to his website. Head over to Dan Haberkost, and that's H-A-B-E-R-K-O-S-T.com to find his content for information and and a few things and details as what what he does. But uh, first of all, Dan, we have to start and tell your story a little bit because, I mean, to be frank, and we didn't even talk about this before we kicked on, but Mm -hmm. I mean, you're fairly young and you've you've found a way essentially to kind of live the lifestyle of your dreams, especially based on some of the photos and stuff that you post on Facebook. (laughs) Uh, It it looks like you you have a pretty adventurous life. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on, JD. I'm excited to be on the REI Mastermind podcast here. Uh, And yeah, you want me to just kind of get a little bit into the background, a quick synopsis? Yeah, well, I mean, let's 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 face facts here, just so that everybody understands. Dan is, are you? You're still 25. I, you know, I right? yeah, okay, 25, so yeah. 25 years old, and you really essentially started pretty early as a, even as mm-hmm. a teenager, right? To, when sure. it came to so, real estate investing. Yeah, well, rewind. Uh, I grew up in Ohio, uh, in a very rural part of Ohio. I like to joke. I was born in a cornfield, uh, and lower middle, middle class background. So I started working pretty young. And uh, by the time I was 16, I was managing a portfolio of rental properties for my boss along with his farm. Well, he spent most of the year traveling and uh, specifically in Aruba. Uh, so I was pretty much on my own. I remember times having to leave high school to go deal with tenant issues. And that experience definitely did not make me want to own rentals. However, in hindsight, what it really taught me was how not to manage rental properties. So fast forward a few years, I got through high school, pretty normal uh, experience and into college. And I was running a landscaping company my last couple of years of college while simultaneously going to school full time. And that was a lot to manage, but I said, okay, I had to deal with this. I had to start working pretty young and pay for college myself. And although I'm not, and this is 20 year old, 19, 20 year old Dan thinking, although I'm not, particularly excited to be doing this. I know I've developed skills and experiences that most people my age don't have. So how do I take that? And once I graduate college, take that extra time and the skills I've developed and create freedom uh, through some sort of investing or build some sort of business. I I wasn't sure what it was. So I started reading uh, different books on investing, stocks, businesses you could start. And just like I think a lot of other people who invest in real estate will tell you, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the one that I stumbled across that really got me and started excited about real estate. And at the same time, I'm at work talking to my coworker over lunch one day and he goes, yeah, my my tenants just moved upstairs in my duplex and uh, they pay the mortgage for me. And I go, pay the mortgage? What? And so that's how I discovered house hacking. Two months later, I bought my first rental property. I was 21. And at that point, I was all in. I started listening to other real estate podcasts, reading other books, 
meeting other investors, going other lo- going to some of the other local clubs uh, in town. And I was still in Ohio at this point. But yeah, it started with a duplex as a house hack, made a lot of mistakes, paid too much, let a tenant walk all over me, didn't do a good job rehabbing, but that's how you learn. And uh, without getting too in detail, what ended up happening is I, I knew I didn't want to stay in Ohio because as you mentioned, I, I kind of enjoy extreme sports and adventure. Uh, so I, I moved to Colorado to build a business and, and climb all the mountains out here. So that's exactly what I've been doing. And now fast forward to today, I have 10 tenants between four properties. Uh, and then on the active side, I have a land and development business. So I'm building houses and buying and selling a lot of land, some on notes, some for cash. Uh, but at the end of the day, I see the active business as a way to generate as much capital as possible to put into more uh, long-term buy and hold. So right now I'm, I'm working on buying a commercial building by uh, the end of the year. So for example, I just sent out mailers to every building within Colorado Springs that could function as a Walgreens, uh, for example. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I'm at now. And I, I'm just trying to acquire as many rentals as I can uh, in my 20s here, because when I think about an exponential curve, right? The earlier you're able to start, the more impactful it is with each iteration, or in my case, each year down the road, right? So the these investments I make at a young age will be more impactful than the ones I make in my 30s and 40s. So really just uh, buckling down and still living like I'm broke and putting all my money into to real estate. Yeah, we I joke, uh, we joke a lot, you know, a lot of the people that I know that if we knew now what then what we know now it'd be a different world and and it sounds like that's exactly what you've been doing and and unlike some of us though being so young you've taken that action and taken those steps to secure your future uh, on a pretty pretty early age yeah uh well I, i did start working pretty young um you know a lot of the uh, people that have known me since I was a kid will tell you I've been a middle-aged man since I was about 14. Uh, but, uh, you know, so by the time I graduated college, I'd already been running running businesses for seven or eight years. Uh, but yeah, yeah, coming from a, a lower middle-class background where money, scarcity of money was just the driving factor in everything, where we, we, we never went out to eat. I mean, I can, I can remember, I think I can count on one hand how many times we went out to eat as a family when I was a kid. Um, and it's more, it's not about things. It's about the lack of control over your time. My parents, grandparents, older siblings, older cousins, they were all slaves to their jobs to some degree or or another. Uh, They didn't get to see their family members that often. They didn't get to go and and do the things that they'd want to do. And I just think that's completely unacceptable. So uh, I've I've worked hard to make sure that that's, that's not the case. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be buying Lamborghinis or anything like that, but I certainly want to have freedom over my time and, you know, to make sure my family's taken care of and eventually to have uh, a family myself. Yeah. I, I, you said one sentence there that I hope everybody rings in people's ears there for a second. It's about the lack of control over your time. Yep. And, uh, and I think that's what we are all trying to accomplish in the end and, and to mm-hmm. regain some of that control. So good lesson there. So you, when, before we hit record, you mentioned that uh, the importance of, of finding a mentor and getting you started, mm-hmm. like talk about how, how you found the mentor and, and well, it sounds like there's a story there. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So 
as far as the the first rental, I really jumped into that before knowing anyone. But there is no way I would be building houses and buying and selling land like I am if I hadn't have found someone who was where I wanted to be and learned from them. So flat, uh, let's rewind to when I moved here in 2018. Uh, I went to the local real estate club. I actually host it now with Brent and one other guy who you interviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know anyone, but at the end of the meeting, a guy stood up in the room. He said, Hey, I've been in the real estate world for 40 years, built houses, apartments, everything you could imagine, owned every type of real estate, so on and so forth. Uh, I need help in my business and specifically with technology, but, and I'm willing to share a lot of what I know with someone who will come help me. And of course, everyone in the room gathered around him. He gave out his phone number and out of every person in that room, and I'm not exaggerating, there was probably 40 people around him. Two people called him. Two people, myself and one other. And the other guy gave up after a week or two. And uh, I went down. So he lives about an hour south of where we are in Colorado Springs. He's down in Pueblo. And I'd go down there every Saturday or Sunday, one day a week and and help him and then learn from him. And pretty quickly, it was clear that this guy knew everything that I wanted to know. Uh, He's built apartments in China. He's which still blows my mind. He's, He's owned every type of real estate you can imagine. He's thrived through ups and downs of the market. And it was clear that it was probably going to take more time than I wanted it to. And I didn't especially like getting up early on on weekends and driving down there. But at the end of the day, I I had a clear goal in mind. So I went down and I helped him uh, every weekend for it was almost a year, maybe a year plus before I made any money at all. And at this point, he's one of my primary investors. We're doing all kinds of projects together, both land and development. He's really just a good friend that I I can go to for anything really. Uh, but that took time. And this is this is a point I really want to drive home. I know you mentioned a lot of your listeners are, are newer. And I see people looking for mentors and, and posting about it and seeing if someone will come mentor them. First of all, don't use that word, because really what you need to do is build a genuine relationship over time. It can't be transactional. It can't be, oh, hey, JD, can you just teach me everything you know for free? <laughs> that's That's ridiculous. So uh, I, I, finding people who are where I want to be and providing them value has been a way to dramatically shorten the learning curve. You're absolutely right that I'm young, but there's plenty of people both here in Colorado and, and with the internet now you can connect with people anywhere who have done what I want to do. So why can't I go find them, learn from them and, and, and make fewer mistakes by learning from theirs. So, you know, right now, wanting to get into the uh, the commercial world. There's there's a guy here in town who owns a whole bunch of strip centers and I had him come speak at our, our real estate club and he enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm working on really doing the same thing with him because he's where I want to be with, with all the commercial real estate he owns. So um, that was a, a, a quick uh, synopsis of how I met Rich. But uh, uh, yeah, it's really about building genuine relationships over time. If you want it to happen overnight, you're not going to find someone unless you pay them to share everything they know. Yeah. And I can't stress that enough. It, it is kind of almost comical how many people will uh, extend their hand and just bold face ask somebody to be a mentor. And it seems to be, you know, these people are very busy. Yeah. That have that experience and that knowledge that you want to gain. And for them to, you know, you just had a great, that great line. It's all about the lack of control over your time. They're trying to earn 
their time back too. And you're asking them to essentially invest in you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's got to be a little uh, reciprocation to a certain extent, whether it's, you know, like you said, you can you can hire a mentor or mm-hmm. I, I, that, that, that was a great tactic that your mentor had was going to the group and saying, hey, I need some help. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you volunteered and I mean, that's, that's a way to build that relationship. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, w- one other thing I'd like to, to throw in there too, if you, if you do get lucky enough to find someone who, who will engage you, if they tell you to do something, whether it be, you know, you want to be a wholesaler, let's say, and they say, we'll call these leads or door knock these leads, do it. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, especially if it makes you uncomfortable, go do it. Um, I had a, a kid from the real estate club here in town say, you know, I want to get into to something. What can I do? And he offered to cold call all of my returned mail. Now that's uncomfortable. Cold calling is not fun. He didn't want me to do anything except hand him the returned mail. So I am happy to help him. I gave him all of it. He went through it and he's, he's still in process. This is relatively recent. My point being, because he took that initiative to offer something to me and then did it and didn't ask me to do something. It wasn't uh, a request. He just handled everything. I'm very receptive to to helping him. And now if he has questions about anything, of course, I'll help him. I mean, I, I, I respect that. And I am not unique in that. If you're able to provide value and you jump on it and handle it the way he did, uh, most people will respond very well to that and want to reciprocate that back. Right. Yeah. This is one of the lessons. If you've ever read that book, Go-Giver, uh, you, mm. you better, people, uh, I, I can't stress that enough. And that's almost the book number two behind Rich Dad, Poor Dad for what I recommend people. Um, so with that, you know, like I said, we uh, before we get too far into it, I always like to chat a little bit about not only your backstory, but mm-hmm. uh, it'd be interesting if you could share like one or two uh, deals. Like what was what's been your most interesting deal? And what? Okay. And how you overcame some things? And uh, tell us about your best deal. Okay. So, most interesting deal would probably be the house uh, I bought last year during the. Well, I bought it right before the shutdown, and it happened uh, as we were rehabbing and refinancing it in the middle of the pandemic. Now, <clears throat> quick uh, lesson here on how I bought it at the real estate club. There was a new wholesaler. And they show up all the time. Obviously, wholesaling is one of the ways to get into the business without a whole lot of money. So a lot of people show up, say, hey, I'm a wholesaler. They're gone in two weeks. But it can't hurt to give them your number. So I gave a new wholesaler my number. Well, what do you know? The next day, she calls me with a deal. And as she shares the photos, she accidentally shares her cash buyers list. On that cash buyers list are four people, me being one of them. (laughs) So anyways, it was an excellent deal. Great area, best school district in town, up against a park, but it was the junker in the neighborhood. And this house smelled so bad, it was hard to walk into it. Again, the the bones were great, no foundation issues, new roof. I mean, it just was disgusting. And the individual that rented it was a middle-aged man, and then his son and his son's girlfriend were in the house. And... (laughs) Thankfully, we were very tactful and diplomatic and able to to get them to move out with 30 days notice. And a few days after they move out, I'm 
in the house working on ripping up the carpet and there's a knock at the door, a very aggressive knock and it says, police open up. Turned out the son was a wanted felon. He had already been in prison and I, they didn't tell me what he did, but he was wanted to go back to prison. And then the, the dad, the, the kind of helpless dad comes back to, I forget why he stopped by and he goes, yeah, my son was lying. That wasn't his girlfriend, that was a prostitute. <laughs> and so this house was occupied by a wanted felon, a prostitute and the father. Uh, and thankfully we were able to get them out without any issues. So <clears throat> rehabbed the house, put a nice young couple in it, up the rent by 50% to market value. And now that's an awesome uh, cash flowing asset. Uh, but a couple lessons there. I mean, I don't want to sound cliche, but the, the power of networking really is substantial. I mean, you just heard of how I met the mentor through networking. I got this deal through networking. Uh, that is really, really powerful because there's not a lot of downsides to giving a potential wholesaler your number. Um, and then at the same time, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought there. I forgot what I was going to say, but uh, you asked for the best deal as well. Okay. Best deal. Well, I'm building houses and buying and selling land and then also the, uh, the, uh, the rentals. So let me give you a good, a good land deal here. There was one that I had to follow up on nearly 12 times. I sent them a land offer letter, really straightforward. Uh, I think you're familiar with that is it, it actually gives them a purchase price and is a purchase contract in the mail and right. they signed it, sent it back, but then they ghosted me. They, they didn't respond. And this was an awesome lot, awesome mountain view. And I had it under contract for 10,000. I had to follow up with them 12 times or maybe 13 to finally get this deal done. Uh, but bought it for 10 and sold it for 35 shortly thereafter. And I've done that quite a few times with land. That's not really difficult to do. Uh, so that's an excellent way to generate cash for the investment. Now, the other deal I'll tell you about is the one I just did. I, it's, it's hard to say which one's the best deal because obviously the active is a completely different purpose than the passive. Right. But in the passive here, I, I want to use this example because it, it exemplifies how you can find a deal in any market if you're creative, right? That's the beauty of real estate investing. It's a flexible asset. So the house I bought most recently, I bought on market here in Colorado Springs. And there was a strategy to how we approach this. So first I went out and found a realtor uh, that specialized in house hacking. The plan was to move out of the house I was in, rent out that bedroom and move into a new house hack. So that was step number one, finding someone who did this over and over and over again. Number two, we said, okay, if it's over the weekend, every house gets multiple offers, way over asked, I don't even wanna play that game. So we're gonna look for something that comes on the market early in the week, maybe Monday or Tuesday, that has poor photos or, or something to show that there's some incompetence on the listing agent side and that uh, they're not waiting for over the weekend. They're gonna take a good offer as soon as it comes in. Mm -hmm had a few that we offered on, didn't get it, that fit that criteria. And then one day, uh, one pops up close to downtown, close to Cheyenne Canyon, which is just a really uh, a hot spot for hiking and tourism and that sort of thing. Great views of the mountains and it's a tri-level. The basement is fairly useless, but the pipes are exposed from the upstairs bathroom. Then there's the middle floor with three bedrooms and a bathroom. Then the master suite's completely separate. So we go to look at it, pictures are terrible, the realtor tells us that they need to sell to get into the new house they're buying and they're not waiting. They're just going to take any, any good offer that comes in. They're not waiting for the weekend. 
So I see an opportunity here for several reasons. Number one, hey, I can add a bathroom to this basement and rent it out as its own little suite. Then there's three bedrooms up here. I'm renting bedrooms for $700 a month with a brand new bathroom that was remodeled. So then the master's on the other side and I can comfortably live over there. So we made an offer at, uh, I think it was 335. It was listed for 330 and escalate, had an escalation clause of 340. At the same time, there was another offer for 365. We got it. The reason being, we put full appraisal gap coverage into our offer because I talked it over with my realtor and the chance of it appraising substantially higher than what we had under contract for it was very, very low. So we, we put that in there. They did not. The realtor says there's no way it's going to appraise for that. So they took our offer because they saw it as more serious. So a couple, couple points there. The the way we looked as far as waiting for a house that came on the market early in the week, the, the uh, uh, type of realtor we're looking for in someone who was lazy, really. Uh, and then just the, uh, uh, what's the word, motivation of the seller. They needed to get it sold. Those three factors plus the value add opportunity of being able to put that bathroom in have made this work very well. So ended up after uh, inspection, getting it, uh, what was it? 327.5 was the final purchase price. It appraised for 340. They paid all my closing costs and then we overestimated costs too. So they put another two or three grand towards my down payment. This is in the hottest market we've ever seen with the least inventory in Colorado Springs where people are moving like crazy. Mm -hmm. And now the basement rents for 1200. I just rented to a dentist with an 812 credit score. I rented two of the extra bedrooms upstairs for 700 a piece. The extra bedroom on that side functions in my office. And then I live in the master. I like living there. I have an awesome view of Cheyenne Canyon, a big balcony, the house, 1600 mortgage, 2600 a month coming in while I live in it. Plus the bedroom I had previously been occupying in the previous house is rented for 800 a month. So I know that was detailed, but I think it's important to, to talk about it because Everyone says, well, you can't find a deal. And sure, I didn't buy something at 30% under market value, but I did get it under appraised value and it cash flows while I live in it. It's hard to, to find someone who can't do a deal like that and who wouldn't benefit from a deal like that. Uh, so you can always make it work. There's always a way. Yeah. No, those were some great examples. And and it's it's miraculous how some of those numbers work. I mean, the house you're living in right now, you're not only living rent free or mortgage free, but uh, there's even overage there to help mm -hmm. with. Um, so that that's that's absolutely awesome. So, yeah. with all of the experience you've had now uh, over the past number of years, what is that one thing that you have done implemented into your business that made a huge impact? Hmm, that's a good question. The one thing I I would say just with everything, well, there's a couple of thoughts that come to mind, but to put it succinctly, I think being extremely persistent with everything is essential. You know, I just told you about that land deal. I followed up with them over and over and over again. I could give you a bunch more examples where it was the same case. Uh, you know, with the offers to get the house that I just told you about. It was the same sort of thing. We got rejected quite a few times before I found one that worked. With the wholesale deal from last year, we sent out a ton of mailers. We went and looked at other wholesalers deals. We had failed and gotten rejected many, many, many times. 
so I think just whatever it is that you're working on, being relentless, being persistent until you're successful. If you're doing something that you know works, right? So if I see 10 other people with land businesses and I say, hey, I know I'm doing the right inputs here. I'm doing the, 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 the uh, lead measures, right? I, I know what those are and I am doing those. You have to be relentless and stick with it and it will work out eventually. Everything regresses to the mean in the long run, right? Uh, so yeah, uh, just being very, very persistent in everything I do. And once the decision is made that I'm going to do something, that's it. It's done. Uh, it's not wishy-washy. Yeah, that that is something that I would echo pretty heavily. It's it's all about that persistent, consistent behavior. Yeah, you yep. you uh, you just have to continue. You, it, it's shocking how many mailings I've sent out, and mm-hmm. I I actually had a phone call from somebody just the other day who had received my postcards a number of times, and they actually had a stack of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when we went and visited them. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, and they've been collecting them for like a couple of years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. So you yep. never know where those opportunities are going to come from. Yep. That's so true. It's, it's on the micro, it can be very up and down May and June. I got a ton of deals, uh, as far as land goes, this month's been slower. I'm not going to get upset and stop mailing. I'm going to mail more because I know this works and I know in the long run, it'll all even out, right? Maybe next month will be dry again and then I'll get a ton of deals in uh, uh, September, you know? Right. So absolutely, absolutely. So what are the marketing uh, channels that are working for you right now? For uh, land, it's been all mailers. And I'm actually just this week setting up cold calling uh, because I, I was, I've, I'm in a land group of 130 or 140 people and I was seeing who was cold calling. Not a single person is. So that's a fairly accurate sample, I think, of what most land investors are doing. So I think, and I could be wrong, but I think there's an opportunity there. So I'm going to start cold calling through all these, all these areas as well. Uh, so yeah. And, and um, uh, I know a service for that, or do you do it yourself? I have a, again, here's the power of networking. I have a friend who already has a wholesaling business. He offered to just call everything for me. And then we take, he would take a small percentage of the deal if he gets me a deal. Yeah. So that's a great fit. Yep. Network, network, network. It's all about um, establishing those relationships. Yep. Genuine, um, genuine relationships. I think that's what's important. At the end of the day, I'm just doing deals with a bunch of people I like, you know? Uh, so, well, that's pretty important working with people mm-hmm. you like and, and building that team. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So again, I'm going to remind everybody, head over to Dan's website, Dan, Habercost. It's H-A-B-E-R-K-O-S-T. But before I let you go, Dan, is there one question you wish I would have asked you here today? You know, I I, I wanted to highlight the importance of being persistent uh, when you told me a lot of the listeners are newer and you, you already brought that out. I guess the only other thing I would say, you know, if I could talk to myself four or five years ago, pick something and stick with it until you're successful with it. Because I wasted some time where well, I sent some mailers to try and get an off off market deal for the house. And then I was trying to put together some development projects and trying to trying to buy some land. And I just failed at everything. Uh, you know, if I was if I was 18 or 19, right, I would get a sales job, whether it be a realtor or, or uh, a mortgage broker or something, something like that. 
and pursue it aggressively. Because the, the other point I wanted to make is you hear all these low and no money down strategies, right? Mm-hmm. People don't have money and that's why they want to get into real estate. And that's great because you can do a house hack or two. But if you really want to build a business and a portfolio, this is a cash intensive business. When the government has an eviction moratorium and your tenant bleeds you, you're going to need cash. When your roof breaks, when your water your water heater breaks, you're going to need cash. So two, two things to put it simply. Number one, pick one thing and start or stick with it uh, until you master it. And number two, figure out how to make a substantial income to then invest with. Yes, you can have partners, but if you make a lot of money, it gets a lot easier. So whether it's your job, you know, I have a friend that's a doctor, or if you can start some other business or a business within real estate, figure out how to make a lot of money and you'll be much better off building a portfolio of real estate. No, well said. Well, I appreciate it, Dan. I hope we can chat again. You're always welcome back. And and, thank you. uh, We, uh, I, I think it'd be interesting. We probably could spend an entire episode talking about your development part of your business and how you got into that. And that's a whole nother uh, unraveling of the sweater, I'm sure. Yeah, a- absolutely. There's a lot of subtleties that come with that. Uh, but like anything, once you know what you're doing, it's, it's pretty simple. So, well, I appreciate yeah. it again, Dan. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you, JD. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.